0: our scripture today comes from 1st Samuel chapter 17 verses 32 through 40 a story you may have heard before don't worry about this Philistine David told Saul all go fight him don't be ridiculous Saul replied there's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win you're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth but David persisted I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with the club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag, then armed with... Armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we pray that your voice of truth would speak to our hearts and our lives this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So since I've uh, kind of in a football mood, I thought I'd tell you all a football story. So my, my senior year, I played for Owasso High School, and uh, we were fairly good, but we were no match for the Jinx Trojans. Um, they were one of those teams that, that had what, what we like to call the bus test, which is when you watch them get off the bus, you knew you were in trouble, um, and because uh, you thought, how are they so big, and how are we so little? I was listed at 175 pounds. And um, that was an exaggeration of at least 10 pounds. Uh, um, and I played this outside linebacker uh, position. Um, and one of my major jobs was just not to let anybody get outside of me. That, that, that's what I was supposed to do, was just don't let anybody get outside of you. So, okay, that's my job. So uh, we're playing against Jinx, and uh, um, I'm playing, and they, they run a sweep my way, and I try to go make the play, but I just get blocked by a couple of people, and the guy gets outside of me, and he scores a touchdown. Now, my coach is just livid with me. I mean, we were already down by three touchdowns, so he was livid before, but he was just livid with me. Tiger, how dare you let him get outside of you? How could you let that happen? What I wanted to tell him was this. You see that offensive tackle right there? He's going to go start at Oklahoma State University. That tight end is going to go play at the University of Texas. That other tight end who just went in motion, he's going to play at the University of Tulsa and then go play for the New England Patriots. The fullback who came and led on the block, he's going to start at middle linebacker for Oklahoma State. And that running back who ran the ball is going to be a starting safety at the University of Oklahoma. I'm going to go be a preacher, and that's why he got outside of me. Later on in the game, um, they ran the same sweep because it worked. But this time, I got blocked all the way to the sidelines, and he cut inside of me. And my coach just kind of looked at me, and I just kind of looked at him, you know. I did my job, I guess, right? I knew I had no shot, right? I mean, these guys were just bigger, stronger, faster, faster. It's just what happens, right? And so sometimes in life, it just feels like we, we don't have a, a shot, that there is something that's so much bigger than we are. We all have these things are, that are these giants. Our, our giants are these obstacles that are much bigger than our abilities. We all have these things, these Goliaths in our life that, that just seem so big and that seem so much, and we aren't sure what to, to do about it. And they overwhelm and they intimidate us. And they, they, they scare us, and they frighten us, and they become this big part of our lives. As I was looking, uh, I was reading a book called Goliath Must Fall, written by uh, Louis Giglio. And in there, he said, what are some of the giants that people experience? And so some of these are his, some of these are what I added. Um, but, but one of the things is that fear can be a giant, that we can be so afraid of something that it, it becomes this obstacle that we can't overcome with our own ability, that, that we are constantly living in fear. I had somebody once tell me, he said, Aaron, I've spent most of my life being anxious of being afraid or afraid of being anxious, and that fear and anxiety can rule our life. Talks about sometimes that maybe it's battling rejection. We fear that people will only love us if we produce the result that we think we should. And so we live our lives trying to be perfect because we don't feel worthy of love in any other ways. He mentioned one that I thought was interesting, that comfort can be a giant that we have let complacency or entitlement take root, that instead of choosing what is best, we choose what is easiest, and that giant is the desire to be comfortable. It can be a medical situation, you've gotten a diagnosis and it just seems so much, and and you, you did the thing you know that everybody tells you not to do, which is to look it up on WebMD. And you're like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Or somebody else has a medical condition and you don't know how to handle that. Maybe we have this anger that's just smoldering inside. Maybe you've been angry for years and decades. Something happened to you years and years ago. And you, you haven't been able to receive the grace or receive the forgiveness or give the grace and give the forgiveness. And so that anger just builds and builds and builds and you're constantly trying to manage it. Maybe it's a relationship that's that's complex and you're you're doing everything you can to to try to manage it. But but if this one thing, this relationship with your child or this relationship with your spouse or with your parent or with your best friend, if this thing, it, it just seems too much. Or maybe it's an addiction or a secret that just consumes your life. And that everything becomes about that and these giants feel like we cannot defeat them. And part of what makes it a giant is not just that it feels so big, but it also torments us, that it speaks and it taunts us, and it tells us time and time again, boy, girl, you're never going to win. And so today I'm going to ask you, what is your giant? What is your giant today? Maybe you already know it. Um, and maybe as I started to talk about it, boy, it just instantly hit in your head. Maybe you need to think about it for a little bit, but I believe that probably most of us here in this room or watching online have a giant that is in our lives. And in this story that we have, we have an incredible opportunity to see how God can defeat giants in our lives. So what is your giant, and what do we do Now in this story, let me just kind of set the scene. So um, there was the Philistines, which were kind of one of Israel's reoccurring enemies. Often we we hear about them time and time again. So they are are neighbors and they are often in battles. And so they're on one side uh, on a hilltop and the Israelites are on the other side. And in between, Is This valley now both armies there was kind of this standoff that was going on because neither army wanted to come down and be vulnerable as they came down the hill and so what they needed to do was to find another way to fight and so sometimes in the ancient world instead of all these armies and all these bloodshed they would just send one person who would go down and it was winner take all mano a mano just fight to see your best versus our best. And so they brought a guy by the name of Goliath. Now, depending on what version of Scripture you read, he was either between 6'7 or 9'7. Either way, gigantic human being, especially in the ancient world, way bigger than anybody else. If he was on the bus on the other team, we would have all been terrified. How are we going to stop him? He had 125 pounds of armor. He had multiple weapons with him he was Goliath and he spoke these words I defy the armies of Israel today send a man who will fight me when Saul who was the king and the Israelites heard this they were terrified and deeply shaken I mean, if anybody should have been able to fight Goliath, it should have been King Saul. We know that he looked like the king, that he was a warrior. If anybody could have said, it's on, it should have been Saul. But he was literally shaking in his boots. And sometimes when you look up at the leader and they're shaking, everybody else shakes as well, right? And so each day for 40 days, Goliath would come down. And you can imagine the sound of the armor as he comes down the hill. And then he just starts his taunting and his trash talk and everything that was happening. And you can imagine, here we go again, this fear that is going on. Now one day, David comes. Now David has already been introduced in the story. He's been anointed by Samuel to be the next king. He actually has worked with Saul to play his harp and to comfort Saul when Saul's been in distress. We know he is the youngest of a group of brothers, and he's a shepherd. And so his father, Jesse, sends David into a very important mission on the battlefield. Go feed your brothers and go bring cheese to the captains. I guess that gives him strength in the midst of fear. I don't know, but that's what he was told to do. And so he, he walks in, and he hasn't heard the 40 days of tormenting. He hasn't had the conversations with, with people who, who say, you should be afraid. And sometimes that's what happens, is we, we need to get around people who aren't telling us we should be afraid, and we need to get around people who see fights in new ways, and that was David. And so when he comes, he's wondering what is going on. He said, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine, anyway, that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Who is this that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Now, one thing I made a note of saying is that there are probably some people here who are their harshest critic and their cruelest talker to themselves. Who are you to defy a child of God? including yourself? Why do you say things to yourself when you look in the mirror or when you think about yourself that you would never say to anybody else? And if, and if, one, if somebody said that to you, you, or if somebody said that to one of your friends, you would step in and say, that's not true, that's not who you are. Why do you defy a creation of God with your own words and your own thoughts? We can be our harshest critics. And there are some of you, and I, want to, I don't know who I'm talking to, but I believe I'm talking to somebody here today that you need to hear the voice of truth, that you are not who you say you are. You are who God says you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. When God saw you, he said that it is you are very good. You have been loved more than you can imagine. You are not your worst mistake. You are not your worst day. You are not those things that you say. You are not what somebody told you years ago. You are who God says that you are. The voice of truth. So if you're that person to yourself, who are you to defy? God. Hear his words and hear his truth. So David sees what's going on and uh, he, he says, I'll go fight him. Don't you just love this sort of like, like youthful like arrogance, right? Confidence. He's probably 15 to 19 at this time. Like, yeah, I'll go. I can go take him down. Absolutely. I was preaching a sermon on David and Goliath one time when I was in Mulder, Oklahoma as a pastor. And in order to show the size difference, I, I stood up on a chair and, and there was a boy named Jonah. Jonah was probably about seven years old at the time. And I said, Jonah, come up here. And so, you know, little Jonah comes up and I'm standing on a chair um, and I look down at him and I look down and I say, Jonah, do you think you could take me? He looked up at me and he said, Yeah just love that, right? Like, yeah, I'll go fight him. There's something about a confidence of a, of a, of a kid, about somebody who, who doesn't let all the, the pain get to them, but instead trust. I'll go fight him. And when we hear what, what David says, he says, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. He has confidence in God. Not in himself. He has confidence that God, who's done it before, is going to do it again. So they said, okay. And and then Saul put his armor on. Can you picture the scene? A young teenager with this man's armor that is overgrown over him. And he's trying to, to walk and it just doesn't fit. And you just hear the clang, and he, he can't even see straight. And I, and I think that sometimes what often happens in our battles as we face giants is that people, and they mean well, they say, well, you got to do it this way. This worked for me. And, and there's some good in that. Again, their intention is good, but you can't wear armor that doesn't belong to you. You need to fight your giant the way that God has equipped you to be able to fight. And you need to trust that God has given you what you already need. And the other thing we need to know about this armor is that Saul was trying to prepare David for hand-to-hand combat. He wanted David to play Goliath's game, to get close to him, to wear his armor so that whoever got the shot with the spear would be the one to win. But you cannot beat the enemy at the enemy's game. You can't stoop down to beat the enemy in the way that the enemy wants to win. Because if David had tried to get in a hand-to-hand combat with Goliath, he would have had no shot and yet sometimes that's how we try to defeat evil is with evil Romans 12 says it this way do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good and this is how we are called to fight and so he picked up five smooth stones from the stream and put them in his bag then armed only with his shepherd staff and sling he started across the valley to fight the Philistine what a strange scene right Big old Goliath looking up as little David and his slingshot came on down. Now here's what I love, is that all David needed was what was already there. What he needed to defeat the giant was just right there. And here's what I believe, is that God has already given you what you need to defeat your giant. What you need is just right here. He's already provided it for you. We just need to pick it up and use it. And so there really are these what, five smooth stones. It was interesting, five smooth stones. Why is that there? And I want to kind of talk about five, five things that you already have that we can look at David's life and we can see that God has given us to defeat our enemy. And because I'm a preacher, they all had to start with the same letter, so it's P. Um, so that's how we're going to do things. The first thing is, is, is praise is that we all have the gift of praise to remind ourselves that God is God and we are not. And that God is in the midst of this and that he is fighting the battle and he is working even when we don't see him. And that he is God and he is good and that he is for us. This was a part of David's life. Again, I mentioned he played the harp. Music was a part of it. He wrote a lot of the Psalms and even when he didn't feel like it, he still praised God. Psalm 13 says it this way. How long, Lord... Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Maybe you've prayed that prayer before. How long, O Lord? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. And so often in our darkness, and often when we're in the shadow of our giant, we need to remind ourselves that there's a sun on the other side of the shadow that is overpowering the giant, and we choose to praise. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So we have the gift of praise. We also have the gift of people, people who are in our corner. For, for David, it was Samuel who had already blessed him, who had already anointed him, who had already proclaimed him king. Even though he was not king, he had the anointing of kingship upon him. He had somebody who believed in him, and you have people who believe in you. You would probably be surprised the number of people that you could reach out to if you were in need. It's hesitant for us because sometimes we don't trust people and we've been burned and other such stuff. But you have more people in your corner than you can imagine. And so when we swallow our pride and we reach out and we ask for help, then God is able to do stuff through people. They speak on our path. God will use it to prepare us for this point is that he's not going to waste your troubles from a year ago. He's not going to, to waste what happened to you 10 years ago, but he's a God who redeems your struggles for your futures. He takes what's been on our path and he uses it for our purpose. And that your mess can become your message and your difficulty can build up resilience to help you get through the next thing. And so sometimes, um, and one of the things, uh, and I was, I was preaching this at the first service, I really felt that, that we have to say this, is, is it's not just enough to go through something, but we have to learn through something. And sometimes we don't want to learn through something because that means we have to go through it again. But we can't grow unless we go through it and experience it and learn from it. And so there are some of us who we've left some stuff in our past and we've never learned from it for what God can do in our future because we don't want to have pain. We don't want to feel it again. But we need to go back and believe, just like David, that the, that the God who saved him from the lions and the bears can save him from this. And what's been on our path can help us as we move forward. Also, we're called to pick up the stone of perseverance. I didn't notice it for a while, but verse 34, it said, but David persisted. He, he kept getting after Saul. I know we didn't have all of the conversation, but perseverance is a gift. It's like what we talked about last week with Joshua and, and the Israelites. They kept walking around these walls, and, and it would have been easy to give up on day six. It would have been easy to give up as they walked around the fourth or fifth or sixth time on day seven to being like, what's the point of this? But they just kept taking the next faithful step. They just kept swimming. They just kept going. And David persisted, and so too can we. Oftentimes, the breakthrough is just on the other side of our endurance. God, will you give me the strength to take the next step? And the last stone he picked up is a stone of perspective. Everybody saw Goliath as an unbeatable enemy. David saw him as an animal. And he had taken out animals before. And he also had a whole different perspective of the battle. Because for us, when we think about David and Goliath, we see all this difference. But for David, it was not about David versus Goliath. It was Goliath versus God. And there was no amount... That God could see. Hear these words of David. You come to me with swords, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. That's not in our children's books normally. <laughs> and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. He will give you to us. So he took a stone, he swung it around and he hit it and it sunk into his head and he fell to the ground. Can you imagine the shock in the valley? I mean, I don't think anybody believed in David but David. He ran over, he took Goliath's sword cut off his head and everybody ran. And they were victorious. Now here's what I want you to know is that there's one more P and it's the most important and in fact those other five don't matter if this one isn't true. Because you can do everything in your own power. You can do all these five. You can say, Aaron, you said this. I did these. I kept persevering. All right, I looked at my path. I did the things I was supposed to do. I even came to worship. I praised God. My giant's still there. Because the most important P is power. Whose power are you relying on? Because David did not rely on his own power. He didn't say, I know how, I, I'm going to do this. No, he relied on the power of God. Today, the Lord will conquer you. The battle belongs to God, and it is his Power, because the truth is, is that we are no match for Goliath, but Goliath is no match for our God. And that God is able to do abundantly more than we can ask or even imagine. And so even your best tools and your best strength, and you do everything right, it's still not enough to take down this giant. And here's what I know. If you could take down the giant, you would have taken it down already. You would have, by your own strength and your own power, you would have figured it out. You guys are smart people. You're accomplished people. You have accomplished things before. But this giant, you can't defeat on your own. You can't do it. It is above your abilities. It is above your strength. It is above your power. You are powerless to defeat this enemy. But God's not. And God won't leave you. As somebody in the recovery world, I I keep coming back to the first three steps of the 12 steps. Some of you may be familiar with this. Some of you may not be. But to me, these are some of the most spiritual things we can do. And I want to just walk you through the first three steps because they're so important. Because if you're facing a giant, this is where you got to start. First step, to admit that you're powerless. Admit your powerlessness. This is fun. But again, some of you have been trying, doing it your own way for years, decades. I'm going to control my anger. I'm going to go to one more anger management class. I'm going to just do this one thing. I've perfected the breathing exercises. Whatever it might be, I can do it. And it's not until you say, I can't, that life will break out. And so it says we are powerless over our problems and that our lives have become unmanageable. Does that sound like you today? Is this the good news you need? That you can admit this and everything's okay. Admitting powerlessness is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of humility. We often confuse weakness and humility because the world says you got to be strong and tough and all these sort of stuff, pull up everything by your bootstraps, but that ain't the gospel. The gospel says we can't, but God can. And that's the second thing we have to do. So first we have to admit that we're powerless. The second thing is we have to believe in God's power. It says it this way, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. For me, we came to believe that God is for us and that God is able to do what we can't. And to really believe that, that that God has slayed giants before and he's going to slay giants again and he wants to slay your giant. And the third step is to surrender to his care. We make a decision to turn our wills and our lives over to the care of God. We surrender ourselves to God. And we say, Lord, I'm going to do things your will, your way. I'm not going to put on somebody else's armor. I'm not going to try to fight the enemy the way the enemy wants to fight. Instead, I'm going to do things your way. Admit our powerlessness. Believe in God's power. Surrender to his care. Again and again. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.